Hello, everyone. We are here with Cole and Caitlin Perrin in Maple Valley, Washington. I'll go ahead and let Caitlin take it over. I'm going to have her kind of just talk about her experience with dogs, how long she's been working with dogs, how um, she came into our life and met us. <clears throat> and then we'll go ahead and get into the topics that we want to discuss, uh, which are dog parks and off-leash dogs. So, Caitlin, Hi. take it away. I'm super, super honored to be here. Very excited. And especially about this topic. Um, so I can't wait to break it down and let everyone hear your guys's side to it because it is a side that I think needs to be heard and talked about a lot right now. Mm -hmm. So I have been taking money for training for about um, – <laughs> what is it, 2022, six years. Um, but dogs have always been a part of my life. I started out dog walking, um, making my own little business cards as like literally a 14-year-old girl oh, around really? my neighborhood nice. and wow. passing them out. And um, so, and then I did 4-H as well with my first dog, Troy, who I'll um, talk about a little bit later as well. So there- I had no idea that you were- that it was that deep in your blood. Yeah. Oh, wow. yeah. Okay. Yeah, I think I, I mean, I, I, the memes are about me. Like I go to people's <laughs> houses and I'm like, can I take your dog out on a walk at Got like it. 10 years old? <laughs> like I wanted to walk all the dogs and, and do all the things with people's dogs. Mm. I just always been a deep rooted. It's what I'm meant to do. It's your Dharma. Yeah. If people know what that word means, but yeah. I don't. What's Dharma? Uh, it's kind of like your nice your your soulmate of things that like jobs basically. Like yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's my dharma. So that is kind of where it started as a kid, and then it developed. Um, and I was lucky enough. My um, I asked my grandparents if I could go to school for it after I started training, and I chose to, um, I really wanted to go to the Michael Ellis school in California and had gotten a Malinois puppy. And, and how, how old were you about this? Time? 2017. So, oh, okay. I don't know how old I was. Like, <laughs> That's okay. I'm not sure. That's okay. 20 something, early twenties. Um, and my grandparents paid for it and it was incredible. I feel like my dog training journey really took off because I felt like I could go into people's houses and had answers. Mm -hmm. Like I, I could help with their counter surfing and I could help with their digging and I could help with their barking, um, because I went to a school and I loved it. Um, so I did that. And then I have just taken a lot of like online courses. Mm -hmm. um, I also, one of my mentors is Nelson Hodges from the Canine Human Relationship Institute, CHRI in Texas. Mm -hmm. um, and that was really game changing. I feel like if you know what Michael Ellis does, it's he's very um, sport dog. Yeah, those are kind of two it, very completely different. different realms there, Nelson Hodges and, and Michael Ellis. A hundred percent opposite. A hundred percent opposite. And so um, what I liked about um, 
working with Nelson was it brought me back to more of my root of working with dogs and what feels really right. Um, more the psychology base mm -hmm. of what dogs are um, and how to be with them mm. um, versus sport. Sport is so fun and it is so, like I like to say it's sexy. Like it looks so cool <laughs> and it's fun, but at the end of the day, like really appreciating the species for what they are and what they bring on a much deeper level than sports um, felt really good. Yeah. So um, he's one of my mentors as well. Nice. That's kind of the base, my my yeah. big bases. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and now the, you guys. Yeah, yeah. I feel like somehow. are a big base. <laughs> mm -hmm. So where, when did you, when and how did you hear about us? So when was COVID? I remember it because like it just, I just had a lot of time and I was online a lot and dog training. Dog training did not slow down for me through COVID. So that's awesome. Um, and I think I found you guys on Instagram. I don't mm -hmm. know who from or how. Um, but when I saw your guys' work, um, I mean, anybody listening to this that has seen your guys' Instagram, it's it draws you in. It, it's something you're like, well, what are they doing exactly? Mm. So then I think what happened is I went to your website and got a book. And at first I thought the book was kind of like exclusive. Like I had to work with you guys, but then I like finagled a book somehow. COVID. Co yeah. COVID. <laughs> Co thank hey. COVID for that. Yeah, yeah, that's when we opened it up. Yeah. Okay. Because so, we couldn't hold any workshops. So we were like, all right. Let's yeah. And people were stuck at home. We're like, when they need resources, like anything we can give, we want to. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, then I got lucky. Timing <laughs> works. So um, I got a book and I remember when I first started reading the book, I think one of the first things that's talked about is energy. And I was like, there are no books that talk about this. Mm -hmm. So it was really refreshing to to be like reading something about how your energy affects dogs um, and like really diving in deep. Cole did a wonderful job, like really covering the basis of why it's important. Mm. And I couldn't put it down. I could not put it down. <laughs> um, so anyway, that was the beginning of like how you guys came about. Mm. Um, and I think I... I finished it and I started to dabble in it a little bit, but nothing seriously. Um, so, so the concepts weren't too different for you because the language we use is quite different. <clears throat> and like the sequence, you know, is maybe a quite different because there's mm -hmm. not very many sequences you could say in dog handling and training and whatnot. Sure. Um, so that didn't really pop into your mind at all. It's, as opposed to your curiosity and, and whatnot? No, I think it did pop into my mind that it was, it was like how you hold a leash is for you guys different than anybody else. Right. I mean, nobody holds a leash like that. So, <laughs> right. so that alone, I mean, <clears throat> as soon as you learn how you want, well, that was one of my first thoughts. I was like, there is no way that 
using this amount of leash, this two-inch box they're talking about, there is no way that this translates to this off-leash control. There's no way. There's no There's way. no way. <laughs> There's no way. Because when you put it into practice and you start to do the steps, you yeah. think, how does this transfer? Right. Mm. Like, I could not connect any dots. There's no e-collar on these dogs. Mm. There's no... We go from, and now I know there's more steps than, you know, two-inch box to off-leash. Yeah. But it's not what I thought. Mm -hmm. And so that was really weird, but I just stuck with it. Um, And I think I, I started to dabble in it a little bit, but I never went and implemented it in my lessons, let's say. I just didn't have enough. Right. I didn't have enough information or whatnot. Put it down for a while, like wasn't wasn't doing anything with it for like maybe eight months. And then I don't know what re-sparked me with you guys. I don't know. Like something must have come up. I'm not sure. Um, but then that's when I reached out and I was like, I would love to host them. And um, you guys were like, we would love to come. So then you came to Maple Valley in 2022 this year. Yeah, not that not that long no, ago. No, not that long ago. It was raining when we left, and it's raining today when we arrived. Yeah. <laughs> Yay. Maybe like it, in June it was raining? Yeah, yeah when we arrived we here. Left, yeah. You're right. Yeah. And then we had such a hot summer, and yeah. now today and is now the first raining. day it's raining again. I just picture it yeah. raining here all the time. Yeah, you know? it's same. Yeah. <laughs> That's Washington. <laughs> yeah. No, we needed it back. Northwest, yeah. So... You recently um, came up or came down, sorry, to Oregon <laughs> to follow us in our pack for a few days. Yeah. Um, Student of the pack. What was what was that experience like for you? Because I know that here <clears throat> you are starting to do a little bit more of that kind of pack work. Mm-hmm. Um. So yeah, what was what was that experience like for you? Um, it was amazing. I'll try and keep it brief, but it was really eye-opening. It was so eye-opening to um, this is something I mentioned to at least John. I'm not sure if we talked about it, but there's so yeah, we did. There's so much on social media that you'd never know what's true. Like when you look at other trainers and you're like, wow, they have something super special. I need to learn from them. And then you get in deeper and you start paying them and you learn from them and you're like, oh, this isn't that special. Yeah. Like you're doing the same thing everybody else is doing. You're just making it look like you're not. Mm. So Going behind the scenes, if you will, at your guys' place, it is different. You're not doing what everybody else is doing. And it is as complete as it looks online. Mm. And I think that was really like, I don't know if shocking is the right word, but it was refreshing because it's like I'm not chasing something that I know is going to lead back to, Mm. right? I don't know what I'm expecting. But when I I mean, we've had that in the past where people have come to see if it's real. Yeah. You know, and we still have people. We still have people that that talk about that where they're like, 
we have one person actually who's coming to to follow us as well to to follow our pack and <clears throat> they were like well you say that this is real and this is possible and you show that it's real and possible online but it's like i just i need to see it with my own eyes yeah you yeah. have to you know you really have to um so it's 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 definitely you really have to i mean no one i don't know it's like you guys have a membership page where you're kind of pouring everything into. and We're getting there. Yeah, you're really, <laughs> really building on it and trying not to leave anything unseen. And, you know, you look at the video of you, you guys in with all the dogs in the van, and it's like you have all these dogs laying down calm on their way to daycare, mind you. Like they're going to have a, a good day with you guys. They woke up fresh and energized for the day, and they're all falling asleep in the back of this van together safely. Like you at trust like, it. At like 9 a.m. Right. At like 9 a.m. Yeah. Some of them haven't even like morning pooped yet. <laughs> <laughs> this is true. Yeah. So it's very real, and you have to see it for your own eyes um, for sure. I loved it. Mm. Coming back and working with my own dogs is um, amazing. And um, I've always been told by trainers, right? Like, I think we even have, there might be a sign. If you want to, if you want to communicate with your dog, shut your mouth or something. I think Nelson says it a lot. Like mm. a lot of people say this, like stop talking to your dogs if you want to like communicate well with them. Mm -hmm. And I thought I knew what that meant. And I thought I had an understanding of it hmm. because I'm not teaching all these obedience cues and I'm not doing all of this, like what I thought was talking. And so I had myself on this level of like, yeah, I'm doing that, right? You're quiet? Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, I'm quiet when with you're dogs. Working? Okay, yeah. Yeah, to a level. Right now I know a whole other level. <laughs> like it's totally different now. Um which is so cool, but um, being able to like really put into work and put into practice being silent with dogs, um, so cool and so different and so peaceful. Like I get done working with just my dogs and I'm like, that was the best walk we've ever had. I didn't see a damn thing. Mm. I didn't nice. say a damn thing. And it, and but we're so connected. Yeah. Yeah. But there's no like, I don't have to say, uh uh. Yeah. You know, I don't have to say shh mm -hmm. to get their attention. And that is, I think, something I, I didn't know how to get. I didn't know how to get it. Mm -hmm. I don't and think anyone knows how to get it really. And when, before we started recording, we were talking about that and you were talking about that experience of you seeing us and with our pack and how we build them out in such a way that we can just turn around and look at them and they can be engrossed in something and they notice that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah let me set the scene. You, yeah. <laughs> <Got it. laughs> so, I mean, there's, um, I think... 
I think you had quite a bit of people missing from the pack when I was there. So there was maybe like 15 dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we were like five short. Yeah. yeah. We've got a, generally we have. It's a, a lot of dogs still. Gen, I mean, I'm just about to say, generally speaking, it's a, we're still very low. I mean, at the peak, we were doing 55 plus. Yeah. yeah. Like um, we'll do a pack day and we'll be like, one of us doesn't need to be here. Like yeah. it's easy. Like yeah, yeah. I mean, it's at this so point, light. no one, neither of us need to be there at the same time. Right? Yeah, yeah. Even with the new dogs that we've started and so on and so forth, but we and that's anyway, yeah, so. yeah. We enjoy it. Um, but yes, twenty. Set the scene. Fifteen dogs. Yeah. Fifteen dogs. <laughs> so fifteen dogs off leash on their gorgeous property, and like literally, you're walking whole packs with you and one dog stops to like explore something which they're allowed to do but if you feel like they're lagging or if you feel like they might be getting too caught up in the scent mind you like there's prey everywhere there's you know the potential for deer so you need to be on it if a dog gets lost in a smell and like John and Cole either one of them they turn and just like look at the dog and the dog like gets up from the smell to connect and look at them. And it's just a silent thing, moment of connection. And it's so, you have to be so in tune with each other to achieve that. So in tune with each other to achieve that. And it's not this fearful, like the dog's lip licking and hunched over and like, oh shit, I'm in trouble. It's not that. It's just like, I see you see me. Am I good? Yeah. Can I keep doing what can I'm doing? Can I keep doing, doing this or, or do you need me to catch up? Or do I need to catch yeah. up? Yeah. yeah. Awareness. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a question mark yeah. in the yeah. dog's brain, which we love. That's what you love to say. Yeah. That's yes. what we love. Yeah. Those question marks. They're thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So um, seeing that and like being in the presence of that with that many dogs that many dogs. That's a lot of dogs to have that with. And, you know, just to see that level of connection is not like anything I've ever seen before. And they're not even your dogs. That's the other thing is right. it's it's impressive if they're yours. These are dogs you see twice a week. Mm-hmm. Yeah, years ago, <laughs> we... Do you know where he's going with this? Years no. a, years ago, we we had somebody working with us, and it was challenging. Like the way we used to handle dogs, we we had a success. I mean, you you we had to have been successful hiking fifty five plus dogs off lead um, with the techniques that we used and whatnot. But we still had scuffles, and <clears throat> our days were not smooth all the time. Dogs would sometimes not recall and they'd run back to the barn. Or like the same dog would be pushy in play every day. Mm-hmm. Or, Things like or that. pushy on leash. Yeah, and pushy. it was just, it was tough, you know, because the dogs go home every day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They would go. And at that time we were running pack, I think, four days a week. So some of them were coming out four days a week. Yeah. And they would go home and they would come back. And we work on the same thing. And yeah. they'd go home and we'd work back, but they'd come back and maybe they'd be fine that day, but then the next day they'd be tough. And this person that we were working with, they're like, this is ridiculous. Like, this is impossible. Them going home, going back to their humans, 
learning, unraveling everything that they just learned. And I'm like, something inside of me was just like, we can do this. Like it can be separate. Like whatever goes on at home can stay at home. And what happens here can happen here. Mm -hmm. Um, How did you, like, how did you believe that? I don't know. (laughs) You just felt it. I don't know because it's the same. Because I wouldn't believe that if I was saying it to someone that worked for me. I I know. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, I had my doubts as well. Yeah. I had my doubts. I mean, the same person. You're like, like, it's got to work. The same person was like, this is ridiculous hiking 55 dogs off lead on an unfenced property. With like three people guiding them. Yeah. Yeah. And I was just like, no, it's not. It's doable. A little Um, crazy. I mean, that's. It's, it's, It's a little. When you're outside of the box, yes. You know, when when I step when I step outside of the box, yes, it is. Um, yeah. Okay. So, but that's that's what you're really good at. That's what John's always been really good at. Is like, how can this can be better? It just I know it can. Yeah. Like, seek the highest first. Yeah. Anything's possible. Like, not limiting yourself to where you're at yeah. and thinking like, oh, well, this is this is it. This is the best it can be ever. Like we're still doing that. We're like, how can we be better? How can we be better? Even if they're little things and little refinements, it's still like, it's possible to have a smoother day, to have it be quieter, to have it be more enjoyable. It doesn't seem possible though. Let me tell you guys about and then we can talk about dog parks too, because I know people are probably at the edge of their seats <laughs> for this great content. Um, it's gonna be good. <laughs> yeah. So one one day we were there. Um, my husband Jason and he was there too. Um, and it's it's such a like I know that it doesn't mean anything to John and Cole, but I was watching. We were on a hike with the dogs. Oh, yeah. The stick. You know oh, yeah. what I'm talking about. Was it a rock? Was oh, it a stick? It was a stick. Beach. It was a stick covered oh. in peanut butter. Oh yeah. yeah. Somehow there so, was a stick like a, covered a in peanut butter. A contractor had been out on the property and was like stirring something like a peanut butter. I think he was making a peanut or, butter and jelly sandwich. Yeah, and making he, a and he left tossed, it. Tossed it out the window of his truck on an, on when he was on onto his way our trail. Yeah, rude. First of all, second of all, none of us knew what it was, but mm-hmm. the dogs were getting caught up in something um, casually, right? Like like casually caught up. They're not like fighting or anything. And so Cole went over and picked it up and investigated it. And um, I was watching and I just think it's a stick at this point. I don't know. It's got peanut butter on it. She tosses it off into the woods. And at this point, um, in my line of work, I work with a lot of fast-paced, reactive, sometimes aggressive dogs. And so I see things with dogs in slow motion sometimes. Mm. And this was one of those moments where I was taking in the whole picture and as she's tossing the stick into the woods, not one of those feet, I don't know the math, 15 times four, not one of those dogs' feet moved towards that stick she tossed. And I'm just thinking, this is unbelievable. Who can have 15 dogs off leash on a property? with one to two people watching them toss a stick into the bushes that they just wanted because it has peanut butter on it. (laughs) And all of them knew that's just not for me. 
it's just not for me. Like that's, and there's so much, I don't know, that's crazy. And then you saw, <clears throat> you saw them on the river. Yeah, which one, which part? Well, I was going to say when, when I brought a stick. Yeah. And you saw how interested they were. Yeah. So they were. Yeah, and very, you let them play with it. Yes. Yeah. 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 So it's not like. It's not like these dogs. They can't are, chase things. Yes. Mm-hmm. But exactly. Yeah, it's they not like they practice been, chasing things, but yeah. it's, it's. Oh, Lord. Well, the podcast is ruined. <laughs> Sorry, over. Oh, that's something I would do. <clears throat> yeah, we're good. Oh. Yeah, I was, so, yeah, I was joking. Yeah, they can totally, they can ch- chase a stick if you tell them to get the stick. But like they just knew. And that's the thing about being silent that I was talking about before is like John and Cole really focus on like how do you, how do the dogs know when they're allowed to play? Well, the energy we bring. What? <laughs> you know, how do they know they're allowed to get the stick versus not get the stick? You didn't say anything. You didn't like stare them down. Like, what changed? Oh, the energy. Okay. Like, how? I don't know. You guys are just so with it. I don't know what else to say. <laughs> it's so, it's really refreshing to like and enjoyable to have people out into our space because we're so, it's our life. Yeah. And it's been our life for so long that that, th- that stick moment, I'm like, that is nothing exactly. to me. And yeah. so it's nice to have things reflected back or or when we this is a little more obvious for us i think because we know how hard it was to help the dogs with it but is walking transitioning to the river oh yeah that that was probably one of the more challenging things and it and, and like we notice it with new dogs that we bring on yeah is This takes time. Water. Well, it's like it's moving from hiking on on a dike, which is raised, to going down a slope, which is quick. Like you move faster going down, Mm -hmm. and then you hit water, which is where sand. Sand. Don't forget the sand. sand, A beach to a river, and it's a big beach. And the tide will be higher in the spring. So sometimes the water's right there. Sometimes it's farther away. Boats are going by. Yeah. And that's where they, like a lot of them love to play. Yeah. It's just. It's the energy gets really high there. Enjoyable. Real high. Yeah. And so that, yeah, that was probably one of the harder things that we've learned to tackle over the years with dogs is making yeah. that transition. Um, and, the tra- and, not, and not having to say anything. Yeah, And the transition is down to the beach, hiking on the beach for as long as we want. Right. And then it's... As long as necessary. As long as necessary. Like, well, sometimes we'll walk on the beach and then just turn around and go back up. Not let them play. And they don't play. Yeah. Or like Stitch will go in on his own and he goes and splashes in the water Mm -hmm. and no one else does it. Right. So to have a dog in that exciting place and to have that not trigger the other ones to want to engage in that too that is challenging yeah Yeah. for sure and it just looks so smooth we've had a lot of practice with triggers yeah (laughs) no (laughs) kidding no kidding so so much practice and then i think that kind of helped us get into the mindset that 
I like the environment and then getting comfortable with triggers and then just the whole horsemanship aspect where you want to go into the horse, delve into the horse's fears before you get in the saddle. Right. You know, go and find those trigger zones for a dog, bring harmony to it, and then continue on with life. Right. So. Which is why, like, as amazing as it is, it's not easy work. This is, like, not to say that doing this method with your dog is um, easy. It's a lot of work because, like you said, you're – picking out exactly what's triggering your dog. And and the furthest thing from that is other dogs because you're like, I have a reactive dog, dogs trigger it. No, 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 no. There's like 50 things before that that trigger your dog. Yeah. Well, along with, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so it's, it's bringing harmony to every piece of what is difficult for your dog. Um, yeah, and uh, like I think you were – I don't know. I think Louie was off leash when you came. Was he dragging yeah, a long he line? He was dragging a long yeah. line, yeah. So, yeah, so he came with to us, and, and he was – he had hardcore prey drive and reactivity. <clears throat> and I think we were talking about him joining and, you know, his hum- – like everyone's like, oh, I want my dog to join Oregon Tales and, sure. and enjoy life off leash and so on and so forth. But, you know, him in particular, we got him and we're like, I started poking around and he had (laughs) fears of like everything. Yeah. Like the pooper scooper, scuffing my feet in the gravel. Yeah. Taking my vest off. uh, And dogs. Right. And so it's like looking at it from that context, you know, wanting a dog to be capable of enjoying their time around other dogs and just enjoy life in general but possessing so much fear is not really feasible in our eyes yeah (laughs) you know yeah so going in there and and extrapolating all of that bringing harmony to it um it definitely is hard to a degree yeah um I think for Cole and I, it's it's a lot more second nature at this point. Like a lot of the things that you saw it, and what you were just mentioning is like we're so in our own world mm-hmm. that making a transition down to the beach, no big deal. Throwing a stick into the the forest or whatever. Definitely no, no big no deal. Big deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, I mean, that's what it looked like. I was like, there's no way. And Cole's like looking at me like I'm crazy. <laughs> Or like helping a dog overcome a fear in a half a day or something like that. Like it for us, it, it it's second nature. Yeah. Um, but for other people, it definitely is. Apparently, seems like quite a bit of work. Um, it, I mean, it, it is. We see that too. Like we'll we'll have a dog in a workshop, or we'll bring a dog into the pack, and we'll poke around and be like, "Wow, this dog has a lot." to yeah. let go of. Right. You know, yes. that's a, that's going to take a lot of work to right. get all of that out because once you're seeing it on that more finer level, you're seeing a lot more yeah. of what's in there. Totally. And uh, maybe how hard they hold on to those feelings. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, and you're not working with a seasoned handler even at that point. Right. Like that's for you guys. 
it's not that hard. Yeah. But then you're you're watching your dog struggle with fear and you have to work through it and have good timing and punctuality and pick out scenarios to get them through that. And, well, yeah, work your way to those things. Yeah. You know, I was just thinking about, I've, I've thought about this quite a lot over the years, um, you know, about how to a degree hard it is how we work with dogs. And when it comes to change and behavior change, we've always said that it's it's it can be very challenging. And you you don't really have to look to dogs. You can just look to your own self. Yeah. <laughs> Whether it's diet. Yeah. Habits. Yeah. The way you think. The way you think, the way you talk. Totally. And like you're trying to change the way dogs think. And I just, I don't think or feel that that is easy. No. So when it comes to tr dog training, to say that dog training is easy, to me, it's, you're maybe looking at some low-hanging fruit. But to get to the place that we are, that is a lot of work. Um, and that's kind of the trajectory that we want to put people on. Yeah. Like we're not here. Like somebody may come and take the workshop and, and you know, do steps one through three loosely and see a great change in their dog. And that's fantastic. A lot of people aren't going to experience that. Yeah. They need to delve quite a bit deeper. Yeah, totally. Um, but we want to put people on the trajectory of not needing a leash, not needing any collar, not needing a crate, not needing tons of language and cues and commands and stuff like that. Um, so that's that's kind of the trajectory that that we like to set people on, you know. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so and that's kind of who we want to work with as well as the people who want to delve into their dog and spend lots of time with them, learning yeah. about them, not necessarily just trying to condition their behavior. Yeah. You know, but learning about their dog first and then going in and helping them learn to change their habits yeah. and their associations with things um, from a feeling level. Yeah. The cool thing about it is that it doesn't matter what kind of dog you're handed, you know what to do. Yeah. And it's to a it's, certain extent, small nuances might change, but but you know those, yeah, yes. I mean, the 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 you have the concept, yes, the nuances will change absolutely, um, depending on the dog, but yeah. you have the understanding of what it means to have a dog actually be neutral, yeah, and knowing that you still need to keep working on something until they get to that neutral state. And until they get to that neutral state, you keep working. Yeah. Maybe that's bending. Maybe that's backing. Maybe that's who knows what it is. Yeah. Um, but when you really hone that understanding of what neutral is, it is really unbounded in regards to the dogs that you're able to to help. work with. Yeah. And help. Yeah. Um. So. It is challenging to a degree 
sometimes more for for certain folks um but for us like we just we wouldn't have it any other way kind of front loading that work and that's one of our friends kind of described it as that and with like seeing us work with dogs and starting them in the pack is how much work we do up front is a lot but then after that it's just enjoyment mm-hmm. rather than having that work be drawn out over long periods of time literally months, forever years or forever, for, or forever having to use forever. this tool forever mm-hmm. create e-collar etc cetera, etc cetera. we front load work that could be quite a lot yeah depending on the dog um but I I want we want to get help them get to that space to where they can enjoy life more. Right. You know, as quickly as possible. Yeah. Um but not rushing or skipping any steps. So so that's kind of what we've what we've built and and um yeah. And that's exactly what it is with you guys is like there's nothing left. Like you know, you've talked about <laughs> sounds so harsh. <laughs> There's nothing left. You've talked about how you'll go back through the pack and you'll find little things that are still left over where you're like, oh, they really struggled with that today. Let's work on that for the next week that we see them or whatever. So so there's stuff that comes up, but it's not this, you know, I – Somehow, I mean, you guys get to this point where it's you're not still dealing with the same issues from a dog that comes in for the years that they come in and see you guys. Like you're not still dealing with it. For example, like my dog Silas, who I'll talk about a little bit later too. Um, you know, I'm in the very, very, very baby beginning stages of working him with the gentle method and neutrality on all this stuff, right? But I was definitely at a point in my mentality with him, this is the way it's going to be. This is just how he's going to be. And I'm going to be managing this and dealing with this forever. Yeah. And because- Is is that something that's, would you say, common with most dog trainers or handlers with maybe their personal dogs or maybe with their their general way of observing certain behaviors in dogs? What I've seen, I mean, that's what I'm talking about when I say when you get behind the scenes with people, it's still there. The behavior's still there. You don't see it on social media or you see these before and afters and you're like, oh, okay, yeah, your dog is just like my dog. Like I can manage it in certain situations and in other situations it's harder to manage or, you know, X, Y, and Z didn't line up so my dog struggled in that way and you can talk your dog out of it all you want. And so that is very common. Okay. That is really common. And I ask because Cole and I are still, <laughs> still very much under a rock. Like over the years, neither of us has spent uh, a lot of time researching other dog trainers. We don't really even know that many dog trainers. I mean, um, we didn't know what a play sport was until a couple years ago. Yeah. You learned about a flirt pole. You saw the flirt pole I had, I yeah. literally, this year. Yes, this yeah. year. Our in, place. In, yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. Or like when we were, <laughs> when we were. I was like, what is this? <laughs> this looks interesting. Like, like a whip. It's like a cat toy. Yeah. It's a large cat toy. <laughs> uh, yeah. So we're very ignorant when it comes to just what is industry standard yeah, totally. for a lot of things. Um, totally. So that's why I asked the question. So. Yeah. So, yeah, I would say that that's really normal and seen all over the place in like a, a yeah. It's just different with what you guys are doing and the, the completeness that you're doing it to. And then if it does pop up, it's like, okay, well, we got work to do and it's finished in two weeks, you know, and it's gone, you know, you know, but <laughs> other people don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's, I guess... And we've talked quite a bit of this or expressed this on social media and OTO, but when those moments come up, when a dog is insecure, we welcome it. We embrace it because we know that that's in our way of, it's it's in between us and harmony. Yeah. And it's not this embarrassment thing or anything of the sort. We're just like, okay, this is still in here. Let's Let's get this out. Yeah. You know, yeah. Rather than trying to push it to the side or stifle it or hurry it along or hurry it along and distract from it, we're like we sit with it for as long as it needs sitting with, and then if it doesn't need to be sit with sat with anymore, then we know it's gone. Yeah, yeah. Um, so it's really, and that hasn't always been the case when it came to dog handling because we we did brush things aside we 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 handled dogs in a different way but we still had we had to manage them all the time it wasn't as casual as what you saw you know we had to be checking our shoulder a lot more we had to be closing the gap and snapping our fingers and, and it was just way more chaotic yeah um well and the level of connection wasn't as deep yeah like you've mentioned no. before you're like these dogs don't need to be here there's no reason why they're with us, like staying with us. They could be over there smelling that or chasing that. Like it's the connection that's keeping the harmony. Yeah. Between Interesting. Us. And we're not paying them to do it. Yeah, we're either. not we're not paying them. We're not make we're not forcing them to do it. Yeah. It's just that they they want to be with us and we want to be with them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah this is a nice feeling to sit with it is nice and it's enjoyable too like when when those like undesirable feelings come out in a dog it's kind of fun to work through it yeah i don't know if you've experienced that where something comes out of a dog maybe for the first time or in a different situation and you have tools, you know how to help them through it. And chip away at it. And chip away. And you're like, this is fun. Like, let's let's work through this. Well, here's the thing I'm coming up with with Silas as I as I chip away at all of his drama is <laughs> He's pretty dramatic. He is so dramatic. And it's um what's fun for me is when a client's dog does it. <laughs> 
that's when it's funny. <laughs> and I like it, right? When it comes up with my dog, I'm still more in my journey of, of yeah, stepping away from reactivity and mm. into like more of a welcoming mindset. It's mm. way, way more frustrating for me. Mm -hmm. It's not frustrating when a client's dog does it because maybe there's not that like – super involved maybe emotional attachment of like i raised you damn it yeah. what yeah. is going on yeah i don't know what it is um but it is learning mm -hmm. for sure mm -hmm. and it's a part of my journey that i need to um develop a lot more so i get frustrated with him quite quite frequently poor guy he tries so hard <laughs> um yeah so yeah, I have noticed that, Cole, but yeah. with my own dog, it's definitely uh, not as as easy, well, at least which I think makes a lot of sense for everyone else with their dogs, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think that <clears throat> that was one of the things that pushed me with Juno was I was like, I didn't like those feelings. I didn't like being frustrated. I didn't like not knowing what to do. And I tried so many different things, so many different, all, all the things pretty much. Um, and nothing stuck completely in such a way that he was complete, yeah. finished. And so I just kept searching and kept searching and kept searching because I didn't want to have those feelings. And now... I feel like we have something to where I can sit in those feelings and because I can do that, they no longer come up and it becomes more enjoyable. You're saying outside of working with dogs, you can sit in those feelings easier. Is that what you're saying? Or during? With, during, working. With working with dogs. Okay. Yeah. Because it's, I've already felt it so many times and now I've found a solution for it. Yeah. Over and over and over, over again. Over and over and over again. And not in not with just this behavior or this kind of breed or that the dog at this age. There's that there's that much confidence. And so when you don't, when I don't have that or looking back when I did have that, it was not enjoyable working because I didn't know what to do. Yeah. It was more like my level of frustration boiling over because it was, it was my fault. And I would always point the finger at me, not him because the dog's never wrong. Right. Like they're, they're always right. Right. Um, at least in our eyes. And so I always point the finger at me. And that was where the frustration came from because I had that lack of understanding of how to help in the situation, yeah. how to bring that harmony. Um, so gaining that through working with Juno is so challenging. And then just the pack. I mean, I can't thank the Oregon Tells pack enough because week in and week out, we had this, like generally the same dogs to work with and learn how to work through these things on such a deep level. With so many different kinds of dogs. And ages and, and behavior ages types. And be yeah. And so like I look at the last 13 years of working at Oregon Tales as like one of the best 
paid educations I've ever had. <laughs> um, totally. So, yeah, I remember getting my first paycheck, paycheck, and just being like, this is amazing. Being paid to learn how to bring harmony to a different species. Yeah. Um, so, anyways, shall we jump into the the topic? Two topics. Let the controversy begin. Yes. So this all started. I don't. I don't spend a whole lot of time on Instagram, but when I do, um, obviously the algorithm populates dog stuff, and <laughs> it knows. It knows. <clears throat> and I was on there, and I was watching this one video. I don't remember where, what or who, but doesn't matter. There's so yeah, many. It doesn't. There's so many. But I I watched one video, and they were just just ripping on dog parks like total disdain for them and i was like wow i was just kind of like geez okay <laughs> and then i like scrolled scrolled Jeez. and then i landed on another one and it was the same thing just terror just tearing dog parks a new one yeah and i was like wow okay this is odd and i scrolled again and and same thing and so i was just like okay what what's going on <laughs> this goes back to you living under a rock of like whoa yes. why is everyone feeling this way yes right. so yeah. strongly like yeah. so strongly mm -hmm. um <laughs> i remember these people being pretty big like at least their instagram accounts were big i don't know how anyways um and I would just was just reflecting on my experience with dog parks over my entire life. And yes, I've had some bad experiences at dog parks, but I didn't ever let that be the catalyst for me to hate dog parks. Um and this is coming from somebody who I've had some very gnarly experiences. Um I have been bit by dogs. I've had to tackle dogs because they were just killers like red zone like the one percent kind of dogs um that just mean death when they go nothing's going to stop them and this is like an off-leash dog yes yeah yeah um and and so, like, yes, I mean, just kids go to school and they get bullied. I got bullied when I went to school. I've had all the experiences at school. I've been homeschooled, I've gone to private school, and then I went to public school. And I was bullied at school. And so I kind of look at dog parks and I'm just like, yeah, kids are going to go and they're going to get bullied at school or maybe they'll get into a little fight. And it's like no big deal, right? Yeah. And I grew up going to dog parks with my parents and our dogs. <clears throat> this is in Iowa. When dog parks weren't very popular at all. Um, and my mom still goes to dog parks. And Cole and I still go to dog parks. Like we travel around the US. We have the last three years. And wherever we go, we look for dog parks. Because Stitch is acclimated to socializing with dogs. And Juno when he was around. And Juno when and he was around. We yeah. brought we had foster dogs for part of those trips yes. that we would bring too. Yeah. Like dogs we were rehabilitating. Yeah. Like yes, some some tough ones. Yeah. Um 
And Cole and I generally like dog parks as well because we get to go and see the dogs enjoying and running and playing and playing ball or wrestling or and and seeing breeds that we've never seen before in person. And like Cole's mom goes to dog parks. Our pack members go our to pack, dog parks. Some of our pack members go to dog parks. Oregon Tales was founded in a dog park. My sister started Oregon Tales in a dog park. Like it was a it was a park and there was a section that was unfenced that was the quote unquote designated dog park area. And so I was just kind of taken aback by the disdain for it. And, yeah. and that's kind of where this question came up. And so when you came <clears throat> down to to Oregon, I was like, let's maybe have a chat about dog parks and because why the heck is everyone because, so angry yes so you're going to speak for the masses <laughs> yes i am oh, i am absolutely no pressure pre- i'm prepared uh, to speak for the masses um, because i know all the arguments great so and, and i think that like that's one of the reasons why i wanted to have this conversation why we wanted to have this conversation yeah. with you yeah. um is because you do have you've been to michael ellis you, you've seen so many different kind of opposite sides of the dog world right you've got nelson hodges but yet you've got michael ellis yeah and the other people that you've worked with and and so on and so forth so yeah i mean i haven't heard a voice for dog parks yeah Um, i'm not trying to say that we want to be the voice for dog parks (laughs) like whatever like if you hit dog parks (laughs) fine um oh my but i'm i guess there is just a general curiosity because we've been doing this for 13 years. Yeah. And like, we still go to dog parks and we have no disdain for them. And we, we see some stuff that we need to avoid. Like a dog comes in and we're like, yeah, maybe we should keep an eye on that dog. Right. Um, maybe I'll step in or maybe I'll grab a dog's collar. Maybe we'll leave for a minute and then come back when the dog's gone. But again, it's, yeah, we just we generally enjoy dog parks. Yeah. And it's not that we have not ever experienced negativity in dog parks. Sure. People like on their cell phones, blah, blah, blah. The whole the whole, the whole spiel. Yeah, every, you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, We've yeah. seen it all, but it's just like, I don't know. So what's the deal? Yeah. <laughs> Whoa. Give us the skinny. Pass it over. Let me set the scene. Yes. No. Um, well, first I want to start out like personally kind of introducing my like origination in dog parks and then like where I'm at now um, with my own clients. Mm. And then kind of when I heard you guys talk about it and now where I feel like the community should be looking. So um, – I grew, I already went over this. I was dog obsessed as a kid. And so like the dog park for a dog obsessed kid is like the place to be because you get to watch other dogs interact and potentially interact with you. And I had my soul dog, Troy. Um, I had him from 2005 to 2018. And he we went to the dog park all the time and um, he was that dog that made a great dog park dog. I could bring him around livestock. I could bring him around domesticated bunnies, kids, people, 
aggressive dog. It didn't matter. He, like he's the dog that makes you want to get 10 more dogs. Mm-hmm. You know, it, he, he didn't need anything. Um, And so therefore, dog parks were never a negative thing for me. Right. Like it, it was pure joy, pure fun, pure like seeing my dog open up and be happy. And he would just dust off other dogs and bullying. Mm. when that would come up because he was that balanced. I didn't have to help him. Mm-hmm. Um so I loved I loved it. Um it made me really happy. Then I got Silas and Silas is a Belgian Malinois and I got him in 2017 and he um I was so excited I hadn't had a puppy in a really long time at that point. And I was so excited to start training and um, I wanted to do all these sports, um, you know, agility and bite work and scent work and dock diving and barn hunt, you name it. Like I got a Malinois because I wanted to try everything. Mm -hmm. And hence, you know, going to the Michael Ellis school with him and learning with him a little bit. And anybody that raises a sport dog knows that your primary goal with that dog is to take them out and to get them engaged with you. And that is what you do from the moment you bring them home. Every outing in the car, every outing in your front yard, your backyard, the pet store, like you name it, where you go, your goal is to get that dog obsessed with you Mm -hmm. so that they are engaged and lit up when you ask them to do stuff. Mm And so you avoid certainly dog parks, certainly dog parks. Um, you avoid on-leash interactions for sure because you don't want to take the dog into any dog settings and have them think about the potential of meeting a dog or having fun with a dog. And is this generally in the beginning? Because I would imagine maybe at some point people would want to go to dog parks to proof their work. Um, at, that, that, at, at that point, that, I think it's so the dog park situation after you have a two-year-old, let's say, dog that's competing with you, three-year-old dog that's competing mm-hmm. with you is so frowned upon that you just don't. Oh, or okay. you now have an under-socialized dog that can't. Mm-hmm. Okay. Does that make sense? Yeah. But I, I would, but I would cert- just think that like if you have a dog that's so obedient or titled or whatever – or maybe you're on the way to doing that, that maybe going to a dog park would be a great way to prove their obedience. That's mm. just kind of where my brain goes. Outside of the dog park, for sure. Because or outside the dog park. Yeah, yeah, outside of the dog park, I think, would be a, a good test. Because what you're not doing in competition, there might be some bite work these days, you know, all the different levels of it. Um, the proofing gets crazy at higher levels. But... um. Certainly, you're not having dogs come up to your dog while they're doing their obedience. And so I think that outside of the dog park is just as close as you need to be to hear other dogs and see other dogs and watch excitement. So what was – this is just my curiosity being outside of that world. Yeah. What was socializing like for him? Yeah. If you wanted a lot of focus on you? Yeah. What is socializing with dogs for him? So what was it when you were doing more sport? Yeah. And I was thinking about this too before we did this. It's like, because John asked a question when I went to Oregon and and we were talking about this topic. He was like, well, what do you recommend for people for socializing? 
And um, for Silas, it was Troy, who was my senior dog at that point. Mm -hmm. It was um, one or two other puppies. Maybe I had a friend, one I'm thinking of, that had a puppy at the same time. Um, And Silas was so high drive and aroused in chase that that didn't even work out well. Um, and, uh, other people's adult dogs that I trusted, which was, I mean, I had him around dogs, um, never mass quantity of dogs. You know, I think even today as a trainer, I'll, I preach, um, quality for socialization over quantity. Like you don't need a ton. Yeah. 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 Um, but now I'm thinking differently about it. But anyway, yeah, that was his kind of socialization was one dog here and there. Um, and he really, he did good with a lot of dogs. I think around like sexual maturity, he started to dislike males more and more and more. Okay. Um, which then made the dog park like totally off limits for us. Mm. And not something I I didn't think at that point in time in what I wanted to do with him that the dog park was even going to be on our radar. Like that was something I had with Troy. I'm so gung-ho and excited about sports that I don't need the dog park. Right. But now where I'm at, and we'll get into this a little bit, but now where I'm at with him, I miss it bad. I miss it really bad. and. Um, there is a piece of me that's missing, I feel like, without letting, without being able to have my dog socialize um, with other dogs the way he used to, or the way I was used to having it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that's what it, that's what it was for socializing for him. Okay. And that's what they say, right? Is like, find good, stable adult dogs to let your puppy be around and don't let your puppy pick on them too much. Separate them when they're tired, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's what I did. And now I'm running into um, he has a hard time with other males. Um, usually his size are bigger. Small males, for some reason, he like adores. Um, like little things. It's very weird. Um, and he's just really picky about his space and he's what I taught him because I had boarding trains coming in all the time and I had dogs are around, but you have a toy in your mouth and you play with the toy while I interact with this dog, ignore this dog that I have. Hmm. And he's damn good at it. You know, like he can safely be around any dog lunging at him, et cetera, et cetera as long as he can get space himself. Mm. And he's even pretty tolerant to bullying as long as I can step in and he's making eye contact with me like, you're going to take care of this. And I'm like, I'm on my way, buddy. Like, (laughs) we've got that. But then he'll, you know, if he doesn't feel like he has an out, or I wouldn't certainly wouldn't trust him alone in a room with another dog, Mm -hmm. um, a male dog. Or, you know, so we just have our particularities. And that's what I was saying before about, like, this is what I've accepted for him. And this is how the rest of our life is going to be, which to a level is still semi-true. But now I have work that I'm putting in to to see what we can accomplish together past that. Mm -hmm. Um, So anyway, 
Uh, avoided dog parks big time. Did I answer your question? Yeah. Okay. Um. So, follow up question. Okay. <laughs> you with your new desire or yeah. like, um, I don't know, remembering of how you used to feel yeah. going to dog parks. Yeah. Do you want to like? Is your goal to bring Silas to dog parks? Is well, that what you're shooting for? No, because here's why. One, until like two weeks ago when I saw you in Oregon, I didn't think that that was ever going to be a possibility, <laughs> right? Like right. truthfully, right. my my goal is to work on the few tiny tweaks with Ben's and get Ben's and I in the dog park together. I have okay. another dog. He's a husky. I rescued him as a helper dog for my reactive clients. He's incredible. Um, there are a few tweaks that he needs socially as far as getting too excited in the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Whatever, no big deal. He could be a great – he will be a great dog park dog. Um, but my goal right now is like starting at a much further layer than that with with Silas and working on the things that I think need help first. Working on those things that we were mentioning in regards to like Louie, the right. pack member. Like you're you're – you're going after all of those nuances and fears that he has. And there's a lot of and them. And there's a lot. Yeah. 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 But, but no Ben's one doesn't have those. The wild which thing. Which is why he's going to go into the dog park probably a lot sooner than Ben's. Yeah. Because he the, doesn't have all those little quirks and fears and sensitivities yeah. and so on and so forth. Yeah. yeah. And the wild thing is that nobody, like the untrained eye would not see Silas interacting with me or with the environment and go, oh, he's got so many insecurities. <laughs> you know, like right. he's a awesome dog that can be around people and be around dogs as long as those parameters are all met. And right. I'm really good at meeting them. Right. Yeah, you've built a good structure. Yeah. So like that's I think where a lot of trainers are at with their dogs is they know exactly what they need to meet to keep their dogs safe and responsible in public, around clients, dogs, mm. and all that stuff. Um, but then it's like what you guys are saying is you can get so much more out of your dog than that. If you want. If you want, which is such you a know. good topic for this conversation because like you don't have to be like, yep, I'm going to make you a dog park dog. Yeah. But yeah. I think that the topic is there's so much fear mongering about the dog park instead of educational base. Yeah. It's, it's like I was one of them. When I had Juno, he was horrible at dog parks. He would get in fights. He would hump dogs. If a dog postured, he would get in a fight. Yeah. He would steal balls. He would eat whatever. Like, it was horrible. But I was like, I'm going to spend every waking hour in dog park. <laughs> oh, my God. Until I figure this out. We and can we get did. it together. We, we did. And so did and, you – yeah, go, go ahead. ahead. Go ahead. Did you then, like every waking hour, knowing a little bit more about what you do – is that – that's on leash in the dog park. Every waking hour is a little – I know. I know. You know what I yeah. mean? Like like um, when you're going in with a dog that fights other dogs, you're going in on leash. Yes, but 
some of like when I got him to a certain point, it was off leash because we didn't we didn't work with dogs in quite the same way that we do now. Okay, um, it was definitely subtle, but um, more like cor- did he have an e collar on? More correction based. Uh, at some points, I think he did have an e collar on, but I didn't use that a whole lot. Okay. Um, but in the way you work with dogs now, if you have a dog that's struggling in the dog park, let's say just recall. Oh. Now it would be on leash. Yeah. yeah. Yes. So here's an argument that um, anybody in their right mind training dogs today would say. Mm-hmm. And that is you put a leash on a dog that's either insecure or excited, doesn't really matter, um, on a dog in a dog park, and you're going to either stress them out because they have no flight response, so they have to fight. Mm-hmm. Um Or you're going to frustrate the shit out of them Mm -hmm. by holding them back. Mm -hmm. So can you talk a little bit about like that argument? Because I know now that that how you work with dogs, but nobody else may not. So what about the leash do you guys, how do you make that work in a dog park? Um, So... We start by building a foundation of the relationship between ourselves and the dog and that tool. Yeah, with the leash too. Yes, with that leash. Yep. And that's not in the dog park. Yeah. That is for a while until we find some syncing up, some harmony there. Yeah. Then maybe we go to a park where there's a dog park in it at a distance and we work there. And we just incrementally build our way up to working our way into a dog park yeah whether it's fenced who knows what um but we're still going in assessing the dogs in the dog park like it's not this just like we just waltz into dog parks and it's just this cinderella story you know it's um there we have knowledge we have understanding of dog psychology of dog's body language of energy thresholds when generally speaking, the energy gets to a certain point, either the wheels are going to fall off or it's going to dissipate. Yeah. And if it goes the other way, then you have an issue. But there's we ping on that energy. Yeah. We've been around dogs for so long now. We know that energy threshold. And so we're like, when we feel that, our attention naturally is drawn to it. Yeah. And maybe we create distance or maybe we just watch and we're like, because they're not our dogs mm-hmm. and they're off in the distance. <laughs> what a mess. And we're like, well, where's, which way is this going to go, you know? Yeah. So it's not so- like we're waltz- waltzing in, but we put in so much time with that tool, learning about the dog, teaching them how to give to us on that lead in a multitude of different ways and angles and and so on and so forth. So when we do bring them in there, they know exactly what we're going to ask of them. Yeah. Now there's just a dog. Knowing the way that you- Or now there's four dogs. I I wanna add on to that too, is that the way that we work with dogs, and you know this, um, it's in motion. So it's not like the dog's on leash and we're standing there asking for them to be still and be crowded by all the dogs in the dog park, we're moving in there. So we're giving them an outlet for their energy and their feelings. It's just 
we're a part of that outlet. We're, we're in it with them in the feelings, but we're giving them movement yeah. to express it. And through that foundation, they know that that movement is a way to express their feelings sure. and that we're going to be listening to their feelings and we're not going to push them too far. Yeah, put them, put, put them, put them in, in a, a corner. Essentially, yeah, we're not going to ever do that. We're always yeah. going to give them an out. Yeah. yeah, and for me, I think what comes up—the word that's coming up, which is a different take of what you guys are saying—but maybe me being so fresh with the method, like this, will resonate with some people—is mm-hmm. like the word that comes up for me is recovery. So a lot of people, their dog gets into a scuffle, mm-hmm. they freak out, the dog freaks out and they leave. There is no mm-hmm. recovery. Mm-hmm. There's no understanding of how to recover. So when you go in with a leash on and your dog gets frustrated or flighty or fighty, whatever mm-hmm. it's gonna be, whatever their response is, you know through the foundation of learning how to help them recover. The, yes. And that's what we were talking, or I was trying to mention earlier about what neutral feels like. Yeah. When you build an understanding of feeling that yeah. and knowing and seeing that, then you won't leave the dog park or you won't leave you won't leave you accidentally stepping on your dog's paw and them yelping or scurrying away. You won't leave that until they find neutral with it. Right. So maybe you'll walk over and you'll gently just tap their paw a little bit. Be like, see, this is not so bad. So you just learn to always help the dog find that neutral. Right. So if there's a if there's a situation that comes up in the dog park, you've already worked through their frustration or their fear with so many different things that they're so practiced in it and you're so practiced in it that a dog coming up is like just another dot on the wall. Right. Right. You know? Yeah. It can still be a stressor. Yeah. But, absolutely. But there, you know what you're looking for to help them through yeah. that. And yeah. it's not the only stressor, you could say. Yeah. It's not like they walk around on a loose leash and life is, you know, sunshine and rainbows. And then we go into the dog park and it's chaos. <laughs> like we're building up to it. Yeah. Over time. Yeah. And not just jumping into it. Right. Also, like, the way that we handle dogs socially, we know how to keep them safe and keep the other dogs safe yeah. so that they're not going to have super stressful situations on leash in a dog park where a dog's bullying them or where they're, they've got a dog in their face like doing certain things to them, putting a lot of pressure on them. Yeah. We're going to be using angles and movement so that we're releasing that pressure and we're not giving, we're not. Um, kind of forcing the dog to make a reaction right. on their own, forcing them to deal with the situation on their own. We take all of the responsibility away from the dog, removing the necessity for them to communicate essentially yeah because we always give them an out right and that's what we do with our pack members which we have again we have a lot of practice with off-leash dogs and bringing new dogs in yeah because that's exactly how we start new dogs in the pack we've got 15 20 off-leash dogs and we bring a new dog in whether it's a four-month-old great dane with 
still intact, which we just are doing at the moment, or a reactive pit bull who looks like a manatee. <laughs> who we're also doing at the moment. <laughs> who we're also doing at the moment, or like feral dogs. Yeah. You know, so anyway, so just knowing. And that's, I think, what there there's a there's a huge disconnect. There's so much to talk about. There's a huge disconnect, I think, on the understanding of loose leash. And this is also what drew me to you guys is at the end of the day, all these trainers can talk all they want about doing let's goes and and turning around. And that's me. Hello. So like, I'm not saying anything <laughs> like turning around in the other way. And like, you just drill your dog like that until they fall behind you, right? On a six foot lead, on a 15 foot lead. It doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, when you have a dog with insecurity, reactivity, anything in their being, and they have that much leash, you cannot help them. Yeah. You can't because there's going to be a scenario where you cannot help them recover because you've never shown them how to be on a short leash with you. And like when we say a short leash, we're talking about a two-inch box. Like Mm -hmm. you feel the dog. Not even a two-inch box. Sure. Because when we talk about a feel, yeah. that's what you experience when Silas gets into a, a situation or when anyone listening gets into a situation. Right. What do you do? You get a real feel on your dog and you try to get them out of the situation. Right. Even, even if you're not in the gentle method, you watch yeah. people walk exactly. dogs past you and exactly. they're all holding all pressure on their dog. That's what I'm saying Just is you're good. Through. Your dog is in a follow state of mind and you're all good until you're not. And then your dog is four and a half feet in front of you lunging. Now what? Because you haven't taught your dog how to respond to what you guys call a feel, which is specific pressure and release on the lead. Mm-hmm. You haven't taught that. Yes. And or so you, what you are you going to do? Just very infrequently. Yeah. You haven't practiced it maybe necessarily in that intensity. Or in like a de-escalating way. Correct. Where it's, where it's yes. soothing to the dog yep. and not charging. Yes. Or oppositionally, like yeah. there's oppositional reflex, right? And that's what dogs are going to do to respond to a short leash. And that's what all trainers everywhere know about. And so we're like, do not have this short of a leash because your dog is going to oppose it. But what happens when you walk into the vet? office right or what happens if you walk past something scary and your skittish like feral dog is in flight like you have to then you use that and so it's only in those oh shit moments when people are getting that tightly that intimate connection with their dog and we do that all the time when you're not tense or stressed about something exactly even if it is a tense and stressed moment we're not tense and stressed because we're so practiced in it yep Yep. And so that's, I think, what's so important is you cannot, that's why people hate the dog. This is part of what I'm learning as I learn your guys' method. This is part of why, a small chunk of why people hate the dog park is because they don't have a method to help their dog through it. You don't. Because you are on a practiced follow. Yeah. And your dog is four feet behind you, three feet next to you, whatever. And and what happens when they lunge? Now you have a tight leash and your dog has no de-escalation mm-hmm. to that tight leash, mm-hmm. which you guys teach. Or like if the dog is four feet away from you and it, here comes an off-leash dog and they're not lunging, but the dog comes up right into your dog's face. Yeah. 
if we have a dog that's reactive, we're not going to allow that moment to happen. We're going to take an angle and move their head out of that situation to show the dog you can move out of this situation. Sure. You don't have to. If you're uncomfortable. If you're uncomfortable, you can take an angle, but we're going to show them how to do that and not just be a bystander, you could say, and watch a dog come up and get all in your dog's face. And then maybe your dog reacts. And then you come in. And then you come and in. And then you come in. And and it's not fluid anymore. Right. So the fluidity that comes with you're already right next to me being supported is so much smoother and so much quicker mm-hmm. than all this room, three feet of leash to do all this reacting. And then you tighten the leash and that's what causes the lunge. Yeah. And if and we always say like if like that's the behavior that we're trying to dry up. Right. And so we're fine if it comes up. We'll deal with it. We will help the dog through it. But if you're trying to dry up reactivity, then not in a frantic or panic kind of way or fearful kind of way, getting your dog out of it, but you want to set them up for success. And so if a dog is coming up and they're coming up to the dog's face, we'll just present the dog's butt. Mm -hmm. We'll move the dog their four quarters out of the way and present the dog's butt. And then the dog, the dog off leash that comes up, smells the dog's butt. And that's a great experience. Um, So, but if you're, if they're really, if they're on a loose lead, the longer they get to experience that fear and reactivity, whether if it's a four foot lead, right? That's four feet of reactivity, hypothetically, right? Sure. But if it's a, two inches before they feel you that's two inches of reactivity so if you're trying to dry up the behavior the the quicker you can get there to support them the better yep Mm -hmm. so totally so coming back to juno really quick though but when i had him i did not like dog parks because i did not know how to help him yeah but and so everything's the enemy Every, yes, and I told people that I worked with back then one-on-one don't go to dog parks they're horrible yeah um because that's what I thought. I kind of started going to them more though, because I was like, I want to figure this out. I don't want you to go. It became a challenge for yes. you. Yeah. I was like, <laughs> I want to figure this out. And and so now I don't have that view. And even when even when I was there or like in that space with Juno, I didn't have the animosity that people have today. I would just be like, yeah, maybe not. Maybe don't go to dog parks. But there's just something different these days where... Well, and also, so this is another thing. As a trainer, you hear like people take their puppies to dog parks mm-hmm. and then they come to you and their puppy's reactive. And well, guess who got attacked at a dog park? Mm-hmm. That puppy. And so that's where the recovery comes in is you need to figure out before you're going in there how to recover from it. But... um I think that's a lot of where dog trainers are coming from is they're like, y- y- you could have gotten together with family members' dogs, not had a fight happen and not be dealing through trauma that your puppy's experienced. But that doesn't mean that I, there's a lack of education then. Yes, absolutely. And and like, I wouldn't recommend taking a puppy to a dog park. Definitely not like three-month-old, four-month-old that young, maybe a five month old, you're getting up there. Okay, that's a puppy. But like, yeah, but yeah. like five months old, I think that's 
anyway, we're, our scales <laughs> on dogs is also very different for, for from for, other people. For folks, yeah, yeah. Um, but like when they're young, like three, four months old, maybe five months old, you definitely want to have more of a controlled experience for them, ensuring that they're going to have a positive experience, most definitely. And so if you do go to dog parks, I would be a little more hyper aware on what dogs your dog is is socializing with. And yeah. if a dog is a little, you're weary, a little weary of a dog coming up to say hi to your dog, I would maybe just put your dog on leash and, and exit for a little bit and come back when that dog's gone. Or shoo them away if you can, or just move to a different area of the dog park. Yeah. Um. But yeah, as you were just saying, dog parks are dog parks are not the problem. It's the understanding of what to do in dog parks, or you know, and how to handle your dog in the dog park, in that recovery state, you could say. And I've never really heard of that recovery state. I guess does it make sense? Yeah, because to me, it makes a lot of sense. Yes, okay. no, no, I've just never heard it phrased like that. Okay. Um, the way I know it is just if something isn't neutral. <laughs> That's just you, what he goes back to. He just, can't not. You do it again and until again and again neutral. until it's neutral. Right. Or until if it's a really challenging situation, until there's some softness and neutral and then you end there. Right. And then, but you know, there's still some left because you, you're ending on a good note, but maybe you're like, I got to go somewhere or yeah. this or that. And you, you, you chip away at the, the iceberg a little bit, but then you know there's still some more. And so you go back and then you chip away at it more. But that's that's what I understand it as. Mm -hmm. Where it's like if if a dog reacts again to like you accidentally stepping on their paw or um who you knows? open your umbrella and you, your dog spooks. From you it. open your exactly. It's yeah. like, well, you open your umbrella slower next time and then a little faster the next time and so on. And so yeah. you just but you don't ever let it go untouched. Unaddressed. Yes. That's kind of what I understand recovery to be. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like that. Moving to neutral. Always moving to neutral. Mm -hmm. So. Yeah. So then I think like, okay, so somebody learns the gentle method. They learn how to do it. I think then, I think that there's still a lack of education of reading that energy. If you're a trainer, like you should be getting to the point where you can read a dog park and what's going on and who the bullies are and and the intent behind. Is it just innocent pushy or is it like pushy, dominant pushy? Like what's happening here? And so that's such a hard thing to like cover is. And it's very subjective, which is going to bleed into the next topic. Okay. <laughs> but anyway, I think that the the education behind it is a really – it's so vast when somebody who just wants help with their dog's leash reactivity for trainers to be like, okay, we got to get you back in the dog park, but like, here's all the shit you got to learn about energy and other dogs and body language so that you can appropriately assess a scenario to get back into when they're like, 
I want my dog to walk past people on the street. Like we used to go to the dog park, but like this is a priority for me now. So it's easier for trainers to be like, avoid it. It Your dog learns bad behaviors. Mm-hmm. Your dog learns pushy social behaviors, which is not always true. Mm-hmm. That's not, that is um, not always true. Your dog could be learning really good social behaviors from other dogs at the dog park. And And like, I think another, and this kind of, goes into just the whole thought that Cole and I have that is definitely opposite to a lot of dog trainers, that the interaction with your own species is very fulfilling on a very fundamental level. Yeah. You know, I always try to put myself in the shoes of other people that I meet in different situations to kind of try to have empathy for them. And I do the same thing with dogs and I can't hope, but if I was a dog that never got to socialize with my own kind of, but I saw them walking down the street and I got to smell their pee and smell them, I'd be like, I would, I would be a reactive dog on leash <laughs> because I would be like, you see them outside Hi. the window walking past your house I'd be like, every Who day. Are you? What are you, what's going, what's your name? What do you, what do you smell like? What do you do all day? What's, what else is out there? What do you, you eat? Know? What do you eat? <laughs> yeah. You don't eat what I eat. Like, this is crazy. Like, did you see that other animal? a cat but did you see the other thing what's that thing you yeah. Know? yeah yeah like, yeah should we kill it <laughs> like, like but is there that's kind of me anthropomorph- anthropomorphizing reverse me into a dog sure um but then i think there's also the argument to play devil's advocate because this is these are the thoughts people are going to be thinking yeah. is wolf packs don't coexist right Wild animals, for safety of their health and not getting injured, they know their territory lines. They're not going, oh, I wonder what you're doing. And we're we're far removed from that at this point. Like, we have doodles walking around. So, right. b- but, like, what, do you have any take on that? I mean, one <laughs> dog with a different species and a human is is not a pack. And if you have multiple dogs in one household, I would I would maybe say that that's a pack. But I think that if you look at dogs in Mexico, if you travel the world, you go to India, you go to Mexico, you go to third world countries, you go to South Dakota, North Dakota, <laughs> not to say that Whole there's packs. a third third world countries, but like you'll see larger packs of dogs. Northern California, they're bigger, mm-hmm. right? Um, and they're of all different breeds, of yeah. all different sizes. Yeah. So I, I, I think that there's just a natural desire for, unless a dog is restricted from that, or they're they're cloistered, and then they can maybe acquire a disdain for dogs. Yeah. But if that dog is to be left outside for quite a while it's probably going to learn otherwise because nature, you don't want to just pick fights, right? If, Correct. Because that's yeah, not... The, it, that's that like you a, will die from infection. Exactly. So so you may get a very reactive dog that is, or maybe even like, quote unquote, like a red zone dog, but leave it outside for a while. If mm-hmm. Leave it stray for a while and it's probably going to learn otherwise. Yeah. That's just human intervention creating that kind of stuff. Um. So, 
I see what you're saying, though. Dogs can be fulfilled within their own pack with their own species. But if you have, like, let's say, for example. But if you if you don't, if you're somebody who has one dog or two dogs and that's their only existence, I just can't help but think that, like, it would enrich their life to experience other dogs. That's, again, me reverse anthropomorphizing <laughs> me into a dog. Yeah. But it's not just that. It's what we see with dogs. Yeah. Like seeing how many dogs we have brought into the pack and see them light up. Yeah. And come out of their shell. Yeah. Totally. And drop all their fear and their let their personality blossom. Mm -hmm. Like it's one of the most magical things to to witness. Not necessarily just to be a only to be a part of like 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 um helping them overcome their fear like us being a part of that but like seeing what happens on the other side when they're able to socialize with their own kind yeah just truly remarkable it's untouched mm -hmm. which potentially some of the trainers that are saying don't go to the dog park Those can't make will, happen they're never going to experience that yeah and they're all they're ever going to know which is fine is they're human. Yeah. And maybe one or two other dogs. Yeah. If that, depending on what trainer's telling them what, because there's some trainers who say, your dog does not need to have any dog friends, mm -hmm. which is fine. There are, you know? yeah, many, many, many people um, saying that. So, but that's just kind of where we come from, where it's like, if you're a dog trainer saying dog parks are the devil to stay away from them. What about all of those dogs that could be having those experiences? What totally. about those people who work long days who, I mean, we see them, they work all day and then they go to the dog park. The dog parks in Portland are littered with people. Mm -hmm. Go to Bolt, go to so many different places. And maybe these are all ignorant people that don't know anything, but they're in there enjoying and their dogs and they're enjoying. And yes, maybe they might be on their cell phone. And yes, they might be ignorant or irresponsible, but their dog can actually play. Oh my God. So Cole and I were at the park the other day. I walk in, she's, I was doing something, but I walked over to the park. I was on a phone call with somebody. She was sitting in the grass with a pack member in Stitch. And I walked past and I casually noticed this guy working out in the grass. He was doing like push-ups and crunches and stuff like that. And like 20 minutes later, Cole and I are leaving. And we we walk and we're standing at the dog park just watching because we have to leave, but we're just standing there looking at all the dogs running around playing. And this guy who is working out runs and jumps the fence into the dog park. And then goes and grabs his dog and takes <gasps> it over to the water to drink. Like there's people like that. And the fence is pretty short. Oh, So he could literally gosh. leap it. And so he's working out while his little French bulldog is, is A in the Frenchie of all dogs. <laughs> he was like. That is frowned upon. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. And the Frenchie, Frenchie was oh, just yeah. in Ruling there. the whole park. My dad's over there. The, the Frenchie was just having the time of his life in the dog park. But yeah, this guy was just like <laughs> working out, not even oh, in the dog park. Oh, my gosh. And so we see all of it. Like one of our pack members. This was like 10 this years ago. This was like ago. 10 years ago. 
they, it's stuck. they they got their first dog. And they thought the dog park was a place where you could go and drop your dog off and then leave. So they would drop their dog off at the dog park and then go run errands and oh then come back. Oh my god. <laughs> That's definitely something you had a conversation I with was them like, about. You need to don't stay do that. Your dog's with, gonna get taken. Yeah, first pe- of all, people were like, "Whose dog is this?" and so on and so forth. So, oh, no. so we've seen it all. Mm-hmm. Um, but what about all of those people who make those mistakes? And sometimes it goes bad, probably, but so many times it doesn't. Yeah, and for dog trainers to just be making blanket statements about dogs not going to dog parks and for people to stay away from dog parks i i i just can't help but think about how many dogs lives are losing the opportunity of that enrichment yeah and of course maybe they'll have a bad experience and maybe that dog will show up at one of the dog trainers who has lit um Com- company's business that is listening right now and you'll help them through that hopefully but i don't think that just like with with schools we're not like nobody goes nobody kid nobody's kids go to school anymore because yeah. they get punched in the face maybe they get bullied male or female mm-hmm. you know we're not saying that about schools Dog parks are very similar. There's germs, there's bad behavior, like, et cetera, et cetera. They're very similar, right? But school is very beneficial, not just for what we learn, but also the social skills and learning how to deal and cope with those unknowns, the unexpected, right? Rather than it being so controlled. And I think that's another thing that's really beautiful in our development handling dogs where we're able to go into dog parks and we've gotten dogs to the point to where they're able to go from a 12-year-old dog that they've never met to a five-month-old puppy that's still intact, male or female, to a bully breed who's a little pushy, to an Australian shepherd who's barking at their face and deal with it all. And have fun with that. Maybe avoid that dog that they didn't really jive with. Yeah. But but it's still kosher, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And I think I like personally, from my experience, having Troy and going to the dog park and then having Silas and avoiding it at all costs and because uh, he can't handle it. I think that it's – I was removed from how much joy it brought me and how much joy it brought the dogs that I was taking as well. Um, because I just, I forgot. And like, there's the whole, like, nobody touch my dog movement too. And, you know, when you have your dog out in public and it's like, nobody interact with my dog to create a safe space next to you. I mean, we could go on about all this, but, um, I, so Silas has been a little bit wary um, of people. And there was a period of time where I took the privilege of like him going up to people um, and greeting them away because he would get stuck in their space and start to growl. Mm-hmm. So he'd go up, he'd be curious, they'd reach down to pet him, he'd start growling. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so I took that away and I said, don't go greet people, you know, stay by my side. And he gained confidence in doing that mm-hmm. to the point where I started having him go greet somebody on cue and then come back to me for a food reward. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden he didn't want my food reward and he was enjoying people touching him. Mm-hmm. And this was a slow transition, maybe within eight months. But he went from getting uncomfortable and stuck in somebody's space to being confident about being in somebody's space. And I remember we went to Leavenworth and um, I was telling him to greet people and I didn't have to recall him out of their space. He was truly not getting stuck and enjoying himself. And I remember feeling so much joy in my own being from watching him love on somebody else and watching somebody love on him. Mm-hmm. And like I had been removed from what that felt like, having a dog that I had to keep away from everybody and had to keep away from other dogs to keep him, quote unquote, safe next to me. Um, I didn't remember what it felt like at all. And I think that a lot of trainers get stuck in that space. I did, where you lose how good it feels to be social. Um I think I think something that that happens, and this isn't by our experience necessarily. I mean, well, kind of. I think that what can happen is like if you work with challenging dogs and you you don't get them to that neutral state, there's kind of a perpetual state of unease. And if you sit in that long enough, you lose that feeling of what you're just talking about, right? Of what that feels like because all you deal with is that kind of energy yeah day in and day out you don't get to that completeness maybe you only work with a dog twice and then you never hear from again from him again then here comes another one in the same deal yeah right yeah again the beautiful thing about the pack is we've had some of these dogs in the pack for their whole life yeah and so we've been so many of them we have been with them through divorces through kids Kids through (laughs) like more dogs in the family more dogs in the family moves um their human transitioning to a different job and having to travel a lot and all the fallout that happens with these things and learning to help them through it yeah you know so again it comes back to that kind of recovery i guess you could say so so part of the <laughs> stitches, stitches making himself super comfortable nest. on yes. the plastic bed. <laughs> <laughs> Attempting to, yeah. So would you say, so one of the things with people is, um, you know, let's say you do have a, a social dog. Oh, go ahead. So, sorry. No, it's good. That was a big, like, I just, we need to I, talk yeah, about Yeah, so the, the other thing about, about trainers is and people is that they'll just be like, well, my dog doesn't want, doesn't like being touched or doesn't like people. And Mm. they'll just get, they Mm. will just label that as their dog. And like, that's what it is. Right. That's what I was saying. I I don't look at that. I'm like, this is ridiculous. You might think that you don't like this, but you don't know yet. And that's to me the beauty of humans 
And what we can show dogs is like, if you don't like humans, why is that? Why? Yeah. Because I'm going to show you that humans are one of the greatest things on the planet. Yeah. And that's what you have to uncover because the beginning statement that you made was, um, you don't know you don't like humans yet. I think a lot of people can go, oh, that's rude. Don't say that about your dog. Like, don't push your emotions on them. But then it's like, okay, well, you strip all that away though when you ask why. Well, why don't they like people? What fear do they believe about people? And now it's like, why wouldn't you want to uncover that and help them through it? And you is do it necessary to. and applicable today? Like yeah. if they've been beaten in the past, it's like, cool, you're not beating them. You're not beating them, are you? You're not abusing them, are you? Nor is that even the case most well, of the time. Well, is, is anyone else going to do that? No, because they're in your care now. So yeah. let's help them grow out of that. Yeah. Or maybe it's not even abuse. Maybe it's just a lack of exposure in life. Yeah. Like I've seen a lot of, we've worked That's with That's most little, of the time what it is. Yeah. Most of the time people are like, God, has that dog been abused? Like With an umbrella. Actually, no. Uh, I have not, I've met very few dogs that have actually been actually abused. With behaviors, it's just a lot of it's a lack of exposure in life. Mm -hmm. So anyways, but that label that people will put on and then that's just what they let the dog sit in. I'm like, mm, no. But that's the <laughs> thing is no. Uh, let, let's help you get, let's help you work through this. Yeah. But there's a whole. I'm, I'm not going to let a dog live life with fear of something. Right. Like, that's just who I am. I'm like, you're scared of this? Like, that's completely irrational. Or maybe it served you to now. But I hope you see that life can be so much more beautiful and enjoyable on the other side of that fear. Yeah. And that that human or dog can have value, like can bring value to your life. Yeah. Through interaction. And like the hundreds of dogs we've worked with, when they get to a point of development, I don't think I can think of one that doesn't enjoy their own species yeah. or enjoy humans. Yep. Yep. Because they have value. Yeah. Go ahead. I, um, yeah, I think people get stuck in the label. I, I don't think. I know people get stuck in the labels because they don't know how else to break through it. Yeah. Period. Yeah. And yeah. so what you guys do is so different that I think going, um, they're saying I can break through this thing that my dog has been displaying for X amount of time and I've tried everything and, you know, they haven't tried everything. <laughs> and um, yeah, like I said, it's it's hard, but it's rewarding on a whole nother level. Mm -hmm. So, and it's possible too. So if a person has a challenging dog and they just want to be able to walk past dogs on the street, like you were saying, and that's that's their goal, that's a great goal. Mm -hmm. That's a wonderful goal. So I, we're not saying that this is a must for everyone. People get to choose their own experience with yeah. their own dogs. But 
it's just having it open as a possibility for the population of dogs mm-hmm. on the planet. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's a possibility. Absolutely. And and for a lot of dogs it's okay and it's mm-hmm. and it's good. So one of the things that I think I the reason I've had my clients stay away from the dog park is because, you know, um, let's say you have a really social dog and they just purely are excited on leash about the sight of other dogs because they go to daycare, they go to the dog park, or they're just easily frustrated, whatever it is. Um, Would you guys recommend pausing going to the dog park to work on like, quote unquote, human relevancy in your relationship and work on reactivity on leash before resuming play like with for the for for clients yes i mean for somebody who's green quote unquote with how we work with dogs like you have to build a foundation and because how we describe pressure and release and how it feels is a lot different than a lot of people because of the intimacy yeah. with it, with how we position the lead and, and so on and so forth. You, so you really have to build an understanding. And this is a civilian as well as trainer, as, as you're well aware, mm-hmm. right? Just the difference in how we, we handle dogs. So yes, you have to build that foundation first. But then I just, I look at that, that overexcited dog. Like if you handed me an overexcited dog and you're like, go go work with them like yes i build an understanding pretty quote unquote quickly with that dog and then i could go into the dog park and just use the dog park as my training station Mm -hmm. because if you see a dog well i just every time you see a dog and get excited your feet move and life becomes a little challenging until it becomes softer you become softer and that spike in energy dissipates and then life gets a lot easier. And so then they just start choosing that. But most definitely, if you're somebody green, a client or whatever, you got to build your understanding first. Yeah. But then again, once you build that understanding, then you can go ahead and use the dog park as uh, – something to prove your work more or less and help you get to more harmony and neutrality mm-hmm. as opposed to something that you stay steer clear of. So, and I think just generally speaking, this maybe will bleed into the next topic, carrying energy around. Like you were talking about reading the book mm-hmm. and how Cole wrote about energy. Yeah. And even some well-known dog trainers will talk about energy. If for us, if we have something that we are really not okay with, we're going to figure out why we're not okay with it and find a, find a common ground or at least leave it neutral. Just like we ask dogs to do, yeah. Because they don't walk. We don't want to walk around with that animosity or disdain or <clears throat> anger or frustration. 
And so for dog parks, is it's that way. And for off-leash dogs, it's that way as mm. well. <laughs> so Off-leash dogs. I described me getting on Instagram and finding this dog trainer who talked about dog parks and then I proceeded to find another two. Same thing happened with off-leash dogs. I don't know, maybe stars are just aligning or something like that, but it was the the same intensity was being expressed, not now for dog parks, but for off-leash dogs. And I'm like, oh, here we go again. Because Cole and I don't have that. Yeah. Again, we don't have the the same level, same reaction to dog parks. And we also don't have the same reaction to off-leash dogs. Yeah. Okay. So you guys are, like I said, when I was visiting in Oregon, um, I think you guys have been doing this and feeling this way and, and, and you're pretty far removed from what might look crazy to somebody else. So let me set the scene for everyone listening who it has my background of understanding, which apparently is a lot of us, right? And okay, so we're walking on the trail. Um, Cole and John have you had the doodle, your mm. mother-in-law, or mm -hmm. yeah. Um, what was his name? Beckett. 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 John has Beckett. Cole has Stitch. Um, we have, I have Ben's and my husband, Jason has Silas. I was like, where is he going? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so this is what he's going to explain is so different is we're walking. Jason's way in the back. He's working Silas because Silas like just always needs to be worked. <laughs> <laughs> and so he's working Silas and there's an off leash dog approaching down the paved trail, um, from behind Jason and making her way this way towards the the other three of us. And we're kind of waiting for Jason and Silas to catch up. And this is the difference is Jason's busy um, working Silas. And I didn't think he noticed. I'm sure he did. But I didn't think he noticed the dog approaching and getting pretty close. Maybe he was really caught up in the work. I don't know. So I said, like, that dog's coming, just so you know. Um, and he said, okay, and, like, kind of pulled off to the side. And for us, it's very much so like block that dog, shoo that dog off of your dog, tell the owner to get their dog on leash, like keep that dog away from your dog at any cost to make sure that your dog understands that when they are on leash with you, they don't have to protect themselves, right? Mm -hmm. So that's where we're coming from. And it's like, oh, there's a dog coming, like get your dog behind you, this kind of stuff. And this is what everybody's teaching and talking about yeah. so i see you yeah, smiling yeah. but like this is <laughs> well i already have a comment yeah so, so hang on so, though okay okay hang on so then so i'm like my my stomach is in knots because she doesn't get this dog on leash but jason <laughs> like you know it's a pretty easy soft dog one of those dogs that like you can look at and say go on and it's not going to come up to the dog you have mm -hmm. And then I watch as it's walking past me and then John and Cole are stopped on the side and they each have their dogs and they're like literally just let this dog come right up to their dogs and they smile and nod. And that is what they're saying is so different is like 
everybody is learning how to deflect dogs off of their dog and yell and stomp and get their dogs behind them and and yell at the person to get their dog on leash and causing this big scene, right? Because we all believe that will help our reactive dog feel safer. Carrying mace or this and that. Yeah, yeah. walking stick. I've said it all. Yeah. Air horn. Yeah, compressed um, air or something. Yep, like that. exactly. Yeah. All the things to keep your dog safe. But then, you know, you guys are standing there and like have your dogs exposed. And these are two, I mean, it's it's Stitch and Beckett that like Beckett goes to the dog park, Stitch goes to the dog park. Very social dogs. But you would do that with any dog. Yeah, You You, at any stage of training, you would set that up to where it's like, you're going to let this dog approach your butt. Mm -hmm. They're going to pass and it's going to be fine. Yep. Mm And if they want to come up and smell you, they'll smell you. Yep. And then we're either, we're either doing that in motion. Yeah. Or we're doing it stationary. And if that dog comes, I'm just want to set up a little example, like describe it a little bit more. If the dog smells the dog's butt and then they go around to smell the genitals Mm -hmm. of a male. Mm -hmm. Around the side. Behind the the ribs. Then we go ahead and take a step back. So that dog's only able to smell the dog's butt. Yeah. And then we're moving. The off-leash dog is only able to smell yes. our on-leash dog's butt. Which is yeah. what Cole was talking about earlier with angles. The angle yeah. they take is going to help keep that dog out of your dog's face. Yeah, because if the dog is coming up over your dog's shoulder, you can take an angle away and all of a sudden the shoulder's gone. And the dog's butt's right <laughs> And the dog's butt's there. Yeah. Exactly. But when they get more seasoned, like Stitch was off leash and he did it all on his own. He had like a nice social interaction where they both smelled butts and did like a little spin and then they both said goodbye. I don't remember. At that point away. I blacked out. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and mind you that this dog, this dog, this woman was being extremely quote unquote irresponsible in most dog trainers' eyes because she had... A f- three-month-old, four-month-old Australian Shepherd. Yeah, it was like it was off-leash. like a five-month-old off-leash, yeah. off-leash Australian Shepherd, and she's going, "Come on, come, come, come on, yeah. come on, yeah. come on!" Right, and that, like Sick. for me, it's like nails on a chalkboard, yeah, and John and Cole are just like, you know, it's like this. It was really, li- it was delightful. Yeah, it was a delight. That's what he wants to say. <laughs> it was a delightful interaction where he's just like truly being present with the energy that's there and her intentions are not bad she doesn't deserve to be yelled at or screamed at for her dog but that's where we're all at and that's where we're all at and Mm -hmm. the thing is is with the comment that you were making well again coming back to the energy like in these moments like if you want the moment to be smooth and you want the dog to be trusting of you there is a value in learning how to handle those moments in a more accepting and welcoming way than deflecting because it's not sending such a great message to your dog it's sending the message like there's a threat yeah and your actions are Telling me that there is a threat. That there is a threat. And so no one can argue that. Dog is maybe going to think that there's a threat. And escalate. As opposed to learning how to manage those situations, learning how to manage your own self and your own energy. Yeah. And then 
helping your dog Regardless do this. Regardless of what the human does, you know how to maintain safety in that situation. Yeah. And we're not talking about the 1% dogs. I'm not talking about off-leash red zone dogs who are death. Yeah, totally. Because those dogs, doesn't matter what you have, you got to cut their circulation off or something worse to get them to not kill you or your dog. Yeah, but I think so, that nobody has a different way. So this do. is what, well, yeah. Okay, <laughs> yes. I'm talking about anybody else. Right. So what you teach is this is a safe spot next to me where I will deflect anything you're worried about so you don't have to mm-hmm. because that's the way we've seen work for mm, some dogs. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, we don't know a different way. Right. And the thing is, is like, if you go to other countries, like go to Europe. Yeah. Go to Mexico. Like, good luck with your on-leash dog. You will look crazy (laughs) screaming at everybody to get their dogs on leash. You're literally going to be, like, blacklisted by everyone. (laughs) If you moved to Europe and did that, like, good luck. Because all the dogs are off-leash. So All the dogs are off-leash in Mexico. And how cool is that? It's amazing. And going to the dog parks there, too, amazing. Mm -hmm. And, of course, there are the oddball dogs, and and there's behavioral issues, of course. Yeah. Of course there's going to be that. Um, But the culture is way different over there when it comes to dogs. The energy around surrounding dogs is way different. So, anyways... And there's breed restrictions, so that plays a role because they don't have certain dogs off-leash that cause in a ruckus, which helps people re- be rest assured. So, like, there's there's variables. I'm not saying that, like, it's just all fine and dandy. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, leading kind of by example, though, is very important. For your in, dog. In our eyes. You mean. You know, yes. And... I've said it before, but when we stopped using corrections, the dogs stopped correcting themselves, each other. And that was something that literally became, came to our awareness like months, maybe a year, two years. And we were like, we haven't had a a dog bark at another dog or growl really growl at another dog or the dog scuffle or argument in years and it's been 5 years and maybe and these- we've had one no, not even a scuffle, though. No, no scuffle, but like a dog being like Cole says, "Take that back." I do yeah, say she does. Take that back. Uh, a dog, sorry, yeah, be more specific. Like a dog stepping in out of the dog's butt and then barking. Right, and that's it. Yeah, yeah, like and ouch, and, surprise, yeah, and, and then John you go and, and work on like, it. Whoa, yeah, yeah, that's yeah. way out of line. And we yeah, and we treat <laughs> that as if. We just saw a dog scuffle. Right. But we're not reacting in this intense way. We're just like, oh, hey, we'll work on that. We'll help you with that. Got some sensitivity around your feet. Yeah, it's a little little too sensitive. Yeah. (laughs) It's no big deal. Yeah. Um, So why do you think there is, like here when dogs get out or when dogs approach, why do you think there's so much pent-up intensity behind the way dogs approach 
other dogs. Because like if you look at like, um, there was another trainer, she went to Paris and she's like filming these dogs come up to her dogs on leash. Mm -hmm. And the, the, the calm, neutral nature they have about yeah. like, I'm going to come right up to your butt and sniff you and move on. Here is like full sprint right into your dog's face. Like, do you feel like that is part of the culture that of like, I don't know. I mean, I think a lot of it has to do with not. There's so many different variables. Yeah, there's a lack of a lack of exposure, a lack of exercise, lack of fulfillment. I mean, the list goes on, Mm -hmm. and it's kind of like pick and choose whichever recipe of it you want. You want, (laughs) yeah, sure. To put a finger on it, I don't know, but I. When I look at other cultures, when I look at whether it's stray dogs in Mexico, who, of course, they still get into it. Yeah. They get into it over mates, for sure, mm-hmm. big time. There are scuffles, there are fights. Um, but a lot of, like, the majority of their life is very harmonious. Mm-hmm. And then when you go over to Europe, again, like, they get to be around life off-leash, there's and when you're off leash, there's just the there's less way less frustration. Way less frustration, but not necessarily that. But like, you know, if you have your dog off leash, for the most part, you're very trusting, mm-hmm. right? Sometimes that's a false sense of trust, which a lot of people have in the United States, like people letting their dog off way too soon. Um, but in other cultures, if you go over there, like you describing those dogs coming up casually and respectfully, because they don't really have a worry in the world. But I also don't think the people have a worry in the world. Right. They're more accepting of things coming up and then working through them sure. as opposed to deflecting everything or hating things or having disdain for things. And it's not necessarily just one thing. It's like, having disdain for dog parks and off-leash dogs and this tool and the way this person does this. And it's yeah. just like lots of hate and lots of disdain Ten- and tension. I'm know? really excited to see how Silas changes just with that shift in me. Mm-hmm. Because for so long, I have shooed off off-leash dogs coming up to him and yelled and sent them off and stalked them and done all this stuff while he's behind me. And he pretty much trusts that like I've got it, but how much tension is that bringing about dogs approaching? It has to be bringing tension. We can't deny that. It has to be. Go ahead. What is... um, What is different in you now with that besides just you seeing us have a different approach to it what is what do you feel is different inside of you that want makes you want to make that switch from deflecting other dogs to being more welcoming to other dogs having an answer literally just having an answer what do you mean um the answer to keep my dog from snapping at other dogs or becoming more reactive 
about tight spaces or being stuck to me on leash, the answer has been send dogs away, uh-huh. which works to a certain extent, but now we're stuck. Uh-huh. And so the new answer is stop tripping out about it. <laughs> stop tripping out about it. Stop getting so loud and so aggressive and mm-hmm. being so like adrenalized by the activity because I've got to keep my dog safe mm-hmm. and start doing these movements, which I have put into practice already. Like mm-hmm. Still keep your dog safe, but it's just I got in you. a different and, way. And I can read energy. So I know when I'm not going to stick my dog's butt out into some other dog's face. Right. Totally got it. But um, just having like, if I back up and keep my dog moving the opposite direction, that dog is going to smell my dog's butt and move on. And if it doesn't, I grab its collar and I just send it on its way. Or you shoo it away. Yeah. Which you would normally do, but at least you're giving the dog an opportunity. Your your dog an opportunity to have a successful interaction with the dog. Yep. And even if it's not successful... Now I have the answer to help him recover from that Mm -hmm. in a positive way where the next time it won't be worse. Mm -hmm. Well, even if, like, I think that a lot of people think about a situation where an off-leash dog comes up. Like, so you're backpedaling, you're keeping Silas's head with you, right? You're keeping him with you. Here comes an off-leash dog. That's Explain that for somebody. So backpedaling is you personally walking backwards. You're walking backwards. You're keeping You've their got the, head. your dog in the box. Yeah. Next to your thigh. So their butt is in front of you. Sure. Yes. And so they're walking forward towards you. You're walking backwards. And here yep. comes an off-leash dog. Yep. And they come up and smell. And maybe he goes to react, snaps to the left, snaps to the right. He can't get very far because he's in the box. Right. <clears throat> but the dog smells, gets a few whiffs in. Maybe it's like... It moves away for a second because Silas is really uncomfortable, but then it goes in for another sniff or two. Yeah. And then the dog leaves. That to me is a positive experience mm. because nothing bad happened to Silas. It's not perfect. It can be a lot. There's a little room for improvement. Sure. But most people look at that and they'd be like, "Ugh, right? That's not positive experience. Well, actually it is because... Your dog was just greeted by another dog who was off leash. It was unexpected and nothing bad happened to your dog. Yeah. Period. And like, I don't know, what's the alternative to that? Like the feeling has to come out. They're going to growl at a dog regardless. If it happens now or if it happens in a week when another off-leash dog comes up or if it's in two months when a dog jumps your fence in your backyard and you're not aware of it, like, it's really hard to have a dog not ever interact with any dogs, ever. Yeah. And and you want to have a dog that lives a life in the world. Yeah. And so it's going to happen either now or in two days or in a week. So you might as well get it over with and move through it. Yeah, totally. And have that have that moment happen. Mm-hmm. And then next time, maybe they don't snap as much because you're prepared. And then the next time they don't do it at all and you yeah. have a good win. And then maybe the next one isn't so good. 
and you back, you take a step back, but then you take a step forward. Like if you want your dog to overcome that, they're going to have to work through it. Well, and what an easy scenario to set up. Right. Okay, my dog snapped at a dog sniffing its butt. I need some friends to follow my dog around while right. I backpedal right. and work through him getting sniffed. Right. But you can't do that on a four foot, six foot leash. Right. No, you can't. You have to keep them you in the box. Because then you could have a bad experience. It, totally. Because you have no then control. they could snap and they could get into a scuffle and then you're, you're screwed because that's yep. not setting your dog up for success, which is why we don't advocate for loose leash walking. Until that's a byproduct of where the relationship's at. Yeah. We don't teach it. We don't practice it. It's a byproduct of where the, how much harmony we have in the relationship. So interesting. So yeah. it's such a brilliant point. Such a poignant point. Because what do you do? So like if you're backpedaling and you're feeding your dog treats and the, you, they have a four or six foot leash and a dog's coming up behind them, right? Or whatever, a kid. It doesn't matter. Yeah. And they snap at them. Like, what's the alternative? You either pop them on a prong, pop them on a slip, zap them with an e-collar, or if you're not doing aversives at all, you're you just- say no or you, fooey or- No, what? you don't say any of that. You just go, oh, I set them up for a really bad experience mm -hmm. and I should be more careful next time, which doesn't help anything either. But what I'm saying well, is that's, like- that's valuable. That's valid. I don't mind that that take on it. But you're not putting yourself in any scenarios to improve. If you go back and you set it up for more success, then mm -hmm. that's valuable. Rather than just kind of putting all that guilt on yourself because you failed your dog, but then mm -hmm. not going back and working on it, then yeah. that's a detriment. Yes. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so yeah, what you were saying. Using what, the leash. Yeah. Mm -hmm. it, it's what you, ha you have to learn how to do, which is what no one knows how to do because it's like they only know it as a correction. Or something that, to tether mm -hmm. as yeah. a tether. Yeah. What I think is cool about having the understanding of angles and where a dog might feel more uncomfortable being greeted on their body, like around their face and their chest and their shoulders. When you have that understanding and like how to hold the lead, how to communicate, we were in the Bay Area doing a training. We were with a woman who does off-leash pack walking on public trails, which is what we did 10 years ago, where you go to a public trail, you've got 10 dogs, you let them off, you run into strangers with other pack walking services, you run into people, horses, horses people on bicycles, just civilians walking their dogs off-leash as well. And John's working with the student. She had a really small pack for this morning session. She had four dogs. John was working with three of them, teaching her how to help build them off lead. And she gave me a dog that was, I didn't know its name. I knew it was dog reactive and that it was wearing a muzzle. And it was charged up. Like it was agitated. Like it was how, it was a a loaded dog, you could say. Yeah. 
And so I'm like, whatever, I'll walk this dog so that you can learn from John. And I had Stitch off leash, I think, with me. And here comes this pretty energetic, pretty checked out golden retriever, like just ready to party and socialize and say hi to all of us. And <laughs> here comes this dog towards me and this dog that I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know its name. All I know is that it's not in the best state of mind. And all I did was take angles and keep the dog's feet moving yeah. to keep the other dog out of its face so it didn't feel pressure by them. Yeah. Keep it towards the butt. Keep moving. Yeah. And the dog's kind of going left, going right. I'm going right, and then I'm going left. Totally cool. Like listening to John teach at the same time. It's like second nature. And it was totally fine because I knew the angles to take. Even with this dog, I had no relationship with. Yeah. And I didn't know if it knew how to be in the box or what a feel was or anything. Yeah. Like I didn't know if it knew our communication. So I wasn't able to prep it, but I still left the situation in the same state of mind. The dog had a great interaction. What an important and thing that that. for you to know. Like, I feel exactly. like so many people need to have exactly. that understanding. Like, what do I do? And I've run into a couple scenarios now where I've been able to use this method where you just, you will keep using the same terminology, take angles so that the dogs don't come face to face. And it, I, it's so smooth. There is no drama. There's no conflict. You provide a, a dog, another dog's butt, and they just go into using their nose, which is what reactive dogs need. Yes. Is to use their nose and to kick into it. Yeah. And it just de-escalates. Yes. It's amazing. Yeah. And I've used it with very serious dogs. Yes. And, and, and that's why I, I wanted to point out, like, we're not talking about red zone. Yeah. It doesn't matter. If it doesn't present, matter. Whatever. Yeah. Like they're going to bite it and it's just going to turn bloody. Dog. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, but like nine times out of 10, eight times it's out of 10, running into. Mm -hmm. the dogs that you're running into, they're going to find interest in a butt. Mm -hmm. That's been our experience for many, many, many years. And now you're getting to experience that too. Yeah. Which is fantastic. And a lot of other people that we worked with as well, having that same experience. So. Speaking on that, that, that off leash again, this isn't, we're not trying to paint a picture <clears throat> where it's all just sunshine and rainbows. Mm -hmm. We know how hardcore things can get. Sure. Um, I've been attacked by dogs, the human aggressive ones, or, and also with dog aggressive ones where I've had maybe a dog on leash, Juno on leash or off leash. <clears throat> I can think of one example where. I was running to CrossFit many years ago. Juno was off leash. I had this pack member who was on leash. And I came around the corner and I knew this dog and he was a killer. And he was off leash in the parking lot of the CrossFit gym. And on <clears throat> purpose? Must have been on accident. It was by accident. Okay. And I turned the corner and I just stopped when I was like, He's, he immediately saw us and then just started running towards us, but not like 
frantic because this dog wasn't frantic. He was calculated, mm -hmm. not making any noise. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I just prepared and I got the dog that was on leash. I had him right next to my side and I had Juno on my right side, one on my left, Juno on my right. And I remember letting the dog get close and I and he was fine with humans but I was like which dog is he gonna lock in on and as soon as I knew that I let him get close and then I threw that dog behind me and tackled him. this dog mm. and was just holding on for dear life and Juno at the time he jumped on the dog too with me because he wasn't the most balanced. So he was like, oh, let's get this guy. <laughs> you're, you're, you're joining me finally. This uh, is great. Uh -huh. um, and We'll make a great team. <laughs> we'll make a great team. Uh, anyway, so like it, that way we just squeaked by. I was all kind of beat up just from the gravel because I was in my CrossFit workout gear. I wasn't about, wasn't thinking I had to tackle and wrestle a dog to the ground on cement. But, um, and then just the nature of our business, like one of our pack members back in the day, uh, she was a real salty lab and it's my favorite descriptive word that you use about dogs. She's salty. She was real salty. <laughs> and I remember being on this beach and uh, two huskies just come up over this berm. And I'm like, oh, shoot. There goes Sage because she had a deal with charging dogs. So I was that person with off-leash dogs charging other people. Anyways, these two huskies put up with like her saltiness for a second and then they were just like nope no more and they kind of gave her the business nothing too crazy she had like a, a couple puncture wounds and had to go to the vet um and so like we've been in it we've been in the thick of it but just like with juno in the dog park i was like i know there's a way out of this i know i'm not going to let this these negative experiences be a roadblock in my growth and understanding, nor the growth and understanding of the dogs that are in my care. Yeah. So, yeah. So that's what we've, we've gotten to, which I'm glad that you are having that same experience where you're starting to move out of that reactivity and disdain for off-leash dogs and finding more acceptance in it mm -hmm. because to us that's one of the only ways i'm not going to say the only way but maybe one of the only ways that you'll help him silas as well as many of the dogs that you work with get over their reactivity in that state yeah, I'm so curious to see because the truth is he needs to get better about dog interactions. Um, and so I'm just curious how this will change things for sure. Well, we're excited to hear. Yeah. How it progresses. I hope that the people that this reaches um, 
<laughs> Lighten up. Just kidding. Um, <laughs> no, no, honestly, like I hope the people that this reaches at least have some sort of seed of like, maybe you don't have to tell every client to avoid the dog park. Mm. Maybe you don't have to kick off some doodle coming up to sniff your dog. Mm -hmm. Maybe your dog needs to work on that. You know, that's what I hope it plants a seed for. Because it did for me. Mm. I was I was, and currently continue to slightly be that person. Mm -hmm. But the seed feels good. And I'm going <laughs> to I'm going to let it grow. Love We're going to see where I go. <laughs> Love it. That's great. Thank you for that. Yeah. You're welcome. Thank you, Caitlin. Thank you. And thank you, everyone, for listening. Yeah, thank you for listening. That's a wrap. Happy training. Okay, so we <laughs> slash I forgot to mention at least one thing, and that is. <laughs> he mentioned it, and I said, you have to add this because people will lose their mind. And what it was was Cole and I. <laughs> Like a couple weeks ago, and then just many times over the last how few we live weeks our lives and years and stuff <laughs> is our from life. time to time we'll it's we'll be on like on a hike and maybe we've she's got stitch and I've got a dog or I've got two dogs whatever the case may be or three dogs five dogs <laughs> and it's delusional. We'll see somebody with a dog and we'll ask if it's okay if our dogs meet. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess Caitlin found this funny and whatnot. And I, yeah, so I guess it's frowned upon in the dog industry to, to have that happen. Um, but it's something that is true to us. Um, and, it's a bizarre picture in my head when you say that. I'm thinking these extreme dog professionals, like, look at what you do, okay? And to have that amount of knowledge and then also admit, yeah, just so you know. <laughs> With those, my cowboy hat on. We're those people. You're those people. Excuse me, can our dogs meet? And then Cole goes, yeah, and someone turned us down the other day. And we were like, oh, are you sure? <laughs> that is a weird, I mean, it's just so. It's she did only turn us down because her dog was in heat. Yeah. And we're thinking <laughs> we literally have a dog in heat in our pack right now with 20 dogs. So it's like no big deal. But we didn't stay and have that conversation. Yeah, we, didn't, with we didn't mention it. We we're, just walked on. No, we're but, but we're responsible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And but it's enjoyable. Mm -hmm. Like I was also mentioning that I went to the coast with my mom and there are off-leash dogs all over and dogs on the street and dogs running up to you. And I would call John at the end of the day and just talk about how happy I was that Stitch got to meet a bunch of new dogs on the beach and socialize and play randomly with some of them. It feels good. It feels good. It's enjoyable. And Stitch enjoys it. And he socializes as much as he wants. He doesn't like feel like he has to do anything if he right. doesn't want to. And we get turned down quite a bit, you know? Like there's definitely people who we ask and they're like, no. 
Yeah, or, if, or they like, just give us a nasty look and keep walking. Or if we're someone's like, oh, no like, big deal. Because they've been listening to us on Instagram. Who, who, all of us who going. Who or- knows? But like, it's not, it's like, it doesn't move us. It's yeah. just a whatever. Because we know that there's plenty of people who'd be like, sure, yeah. Yeah. But it, we do it in a safe way, of course. Like if I have a reactive dog with me or an aggressive dog with me, then that dog gets to smell the dog that I'm handling. Mm-hmm. And that the dog I'm handling maybe doesn't get to smell that other dog, but that's a positive experience. We get to move on in life, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So it's always set up in a healthy way. It's always in a healthy way. Mm-hmm. We, we, we're asking because we know what we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're asking permission too. We're not like- <laughs> Assuming. Assuming yes. and putting our dogs upon other people <laughs> on the trail. Yeah, that would not you know. be. You're not he's friendly people. Yeah, no. Okay. We're de- no. That's, we won't, no, that's not. No. Okay. <laughs> and if like oh, he's friendly. As no. he's charged. We yeah. don't yeah. mind those people. We don't mind those yeah. people because we're like, oh, cool. We wave back and we just present the dog's butt that we have. Right. Or if the dog's off leash that we have, we're like, oh, cool. They get to meet them. Like, it's no big deal. Yeah. That happened uh, not that long ago where we came up on this gal. She had one dog um, with her on leash and she was sitting just enjoying the sunset on, and we were halfway up a mountain. And she had one dog on leash and then she had her old husky. It was whose birthday it was. And the dog was probably like 10, 11, 12. Like it was an older husky just enjoying life off leash. And we were like, is your dog friendly? And usually we're like, I ask that question in workshops and I ask that question in life. And I kind of ask it. And then I'm like, why are you asking this question? Because they could very easily does not really know what their their dog is their dog yeah. is and whatever which <laughs> happens in workshops i'm like is, is your dog dog or human friendly and they're like yes and then that tries to bite me so anyways <clears throat> so this dog's off leash and we're like is your dog cool and she's like yeah this one that i've got on me isn't and we're like sweet so we just walk up we had stitch off leash and this other dog that we had off leash and it was beautiful the sun was setting. <clears throat> Set the scene. <laughs> Set the scene. The sun was setting. We were on top of a mountain. It was a beautiful view. And like there was an off-leash dog and somebody being responsible with her not-so-awesome dog. Yeah. And then the dog that was off-leash, she was like, oh, what a nice like birthday treat for him mm-hmm. that she got, to, that like she, she or he got to say hi. Yeah. So. So much joy and yeah. not conflict (laughs) yeah but we're not those people like if i walk if i have dogs that are whether it was juno it doesn't matter what dog i have if i'm walking up on a trail and i see somebody coming with also an off-leash dog and they rush to put their dog on leash i just usually put the dogs that i have on leash Mm -hmm. because i don't want to cause them undue pressure and stress yeah so but if they're off leash and my dogs are off leash I just roll with it because I know that the dogs, like the dogs that I have off leash, if they're not good, they're not off leash. Yeah. I don't, we don't dice roll, you know? Um, So we're still, it's very organic and we're, it's very fluid Mm -hmm. in those situations. We're definitely paying attention. Is this dog, does, is the person putting their dog on leash? Okay. I'll just leash up. And have it be a no a no question, not mm-hmm. issue, right? Um, but 
we are people like if if we see you on a trail and your dog isn't losing their marbles and you're not visibly stressed we'll probably ask if our dogs can meet (laughs) so just throwing that out there but people need to hear that side Mm. people need to hear it there are like dog professionals out there that are not so bloody against it. We need to hear it. Mm. Yeah. So I appreciate your, I guess it's true. Um, I appreciate your take and I'm glad that I haven't spent 20 years in the industry preaching Mm. all this super, super hate against all of this. Right. So. But if you had no sweat. Yeah. No worries. Yeah. But if you had no sweat, no worries. I'm just glad. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So thank you. All right. Yeah. Now I think we're done. <laughs> Goodbye.